Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, everybody? We are live with the awesome Start Sit Show, the Week 6 edition. I am Matt Gajewski. I'm here with Kyle Dvorak. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Gajewski. You can follow him at Kyle Tweets here. Our title sponsor today is Yahoo Fantasy. And before we get started, make sure to hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel, and hit that notification bell so you know when this video and all other videos at Osmo go live. Of course, we are here to discuss start sit questions in fantasy football ahead of week six. So if you have questions, throw those into the chat and Kyle and I will answer each and every one of them. I hope at least maybe we'll get a ton, but Kyle, the news of the morning is still, I mean, Twitter was broken when this news broke. I I know. I I think the news might've broken Twitter. We'll just say that Le'Veon Bell signs with the chiefs. Everyone is, you know, up in arms. Clyde Edwards, Larry, he's the first round pick. What does this mean for Clyde Edwards, Larry now? We don't have to spend a ton of time on this. I feel like it's already been, just discussed at length, but people were drafting Clyde Edwards Lair in the third, second round sometimes of fantasy football leagues when they thought Damian Williams was on the team. So I, how much does this really change for Clyde Edwards Lair? Yeah, so I think it's interesting because you and I both subscribe to math, which says running backs are almost exclusively a product of the situation they're put in. I mean, there are like outlier scenarios. Like I know looking back, Jamal Charles was someone I believe who like, ran so hot for so long you like statistically can say there may be something different about him uh, at points the Alvin Kamara I think has been the same way where like he breaks tackles at such a high rate that he is like an outlier to an extent that you could say that that is repeatable there are a few other examples but for the most part and we've seen this time and time and time and time and time again Mike Davis being just the smashing example how could you possibly look at this and say anything else is that running backs are just a piece of a system and they don't really control their own fate to the extent that the offensive line and the situation does. So with that all being said, I'm still in on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire because I still have him projected as the leader in both carries and targets out of the backfield. I think those shares come down a little bit. I think Le'Veon Bell gives you more, or I guess will take away more than someone like Darrell Williams would have. But I still have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as the lead back, both in terms of carries and targets. He's on the Chiefs. He's going to get a lot of goal line work. He's one of the highest players in expected touchdowns, and he is by far the highest player in terms of differential. If you just look at how he's being used, that's a good good thing I find on PFF. I'm still I'm still rolling with him. I think you definitely are disappointed with what you've gotten so far, but the volume's been there. It's volume on the Chiefs, and uh, that's like the most important volume you can get right now is volume on the Kansas City Chiefs. So does it come down a little bit? Sure, but do I think his touchdowns regress in a positive way? Probably unless Le'Veon Bell really eats into his work, which I think it's not great for him, but this isn't the end of the world. I'm still playing Clyde Slayer if I have him in season long. Once he is, uh, I guess this week we won't see Le'Veon Bell, but once he's competing with Le'Veon Bell for touches, maybe it even becomes like an interesting uh, like tournament play because people are going to be so worried about him. Yeah, I agree. And we won't spend a ton of time on this. Le'Veon Bell can't even practice till he goes through, uh, I guess the COVID protocols is what we'll call them these days. So he has to pass a number of COVID tests before he can even enter the facility. So, and plus we, we get Kansas City on an Island game this week. So yeah, shouldn't matter too much, but um, just an interesting stat on Clyde Edwards later. You talk about running backs, not mattering. I mean, Clyde Edwards later, his final season at LSU, the guy wasn't even the clear cut starter in the offense till about week four or five in the season when he had a breakout performance and then 
you know, Coach Ogeron gives him the reins the rest of the year. He ends up being the number 32 overall pick. Find that interesting that he was, you know, sharing time with some freshmen early in the season there. But as we start getting into the show, I see a few of you starting to trickle in. Thank you for being here. Hit that thumbs up button if you haven't already. We're going to answer all your questions, your fantasy questions, and in between we'll talk about some notable situations. Just before we get into anything, I think the injuries you should be monitoring this week in no particular order are Julio Jones. Seems like he is questionable. The Probably a game-time decision type questionable. Dalvin Cook looks like he will be out. Deontay Johnson got in a limited practice. I'm tentatively expecting him to play. Devontae yeah. Adams should return. And then we have the situation with LaVisca, Chenault, and DJ Chark. It looks like Chenault will be more likely to play than DJ Chark. Anyone you're really keeping your eye on before we get into these questions? You know, I think you named it. Julio Jones seems quite unlikely, but I would like to confirm that because Russell Gage enters the fray if Julio Jones is out and probably is worth leaving on the on the bench if we do end up seeing Julio Jones. So although it seems likely, just something I would like to know because there will be impacts there. Uh, one under the radar one, I doubt this ends up making a difference, but Adrian Peterson missed practice on Thursday. I haven't seen anything about him today. It was because of an illness. Un, uh, like no reason to believe it's COVID illness, but if he did miss, like DeAndre Swift has looked pretty good in the very, very limited role he's seen. Maybe it's just because I'm excited about any sort of DeAndre Swift love I had going into the season, but uh, I'd be interested to see what the backfield looks like if we don't see Adrian Peterson, although that does seem unlikely. Usually illnesses don't end up making a big impact. I think Julio Jones is the like most operative one to look at. Then Deontay Johnson uh, seems like he's going to play. He still, I believe, leads Pittsburgh in targets despite missing like all of last week and week three, he missed about half of the game. If he's going to be the number one receiver, you just have to keep jamming him in, and he looks like a great play in, in DFS as well. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I the, in, the illness situation is interesting. We saw Odell Beckham get sent home with an illness, and yeah. it wasn't COVID. I, you know, I think these teams are just being extra precautious anytime someone is sick. Maybe that has an effect down the road. I'm not really sure at this point if it's ever going to cause people to miss games, but they're not messing around. If you're feeling sick, you're going home. Anyway, let's start with these questions. We're already seeing some of them roll in. And the first one, th this is actually a talking point that you and I had prior to the show. Dakota asks, Stafford or Lamar Jackson? Did you ever think we were going to be at this point? Because I certainly didn't. It, with Lamar Jackson, we've talked about him a lot as far as, you know, the DFS landscape, but I still don't think you're sitting Lamar Jackson if you have him in a seasonal league. I know it's tough. Lamar Jackson hasn't been running, and last week in particular was troublesome with just the two carries. What do you think? Is it time to bench Lamar? Would you maybe prefer Stafford over him? No, I'm still playing Lamar. And like last week, the, the carries were not only concerned, they were just non-existent. two carries for three yards. But up until that point, seven carries, nine carries, 16 carries and seven carries again, topped 40 yards in every single game as a runner alone. Last week was concerning, but I think there are reasons to believe that that was maybe not predictable, but that was in the range of outcomes comes in with a knee injury. They end up destroying the Bengals who didn't get on the board. So I think like the fourth quarter. So he probably does. It probably does help that uh, like you would want the Eagles to stay competitive. I don't know if they're able to be competitive in many games this season, but uh, you're still playing Lamar Jackson. There are maybe at now four or five guys if we have a full, you know, no bye weeks that you're starting over him. But you weren't drafting those guys plus Lamar Jackson. You never got Lamar Jackson plus Josh Allen. I would imagine like it didn't seem like a, maybe the most winning strategy is to just spend top 10 or top 10 round picks on multiple quarterbacks, let alone, you know, one at all. So I don't think you are even capable of having two quarterbacks, one of which you'd start Lamar Jackson over. If you do, like, how did you get that? <laughs> Where are you? And how did you do that? Because it's, it's Patrick Mahomes. It's Russell Wilson. It is Josh Allen. Is there anyone else you're starting over Jackson? Like at the beginning of the season, I would have put him ahead of all of those guys and now he's behind them. So definitely he has fallen from the heights he was at before but he's only fallen to what, QB4 or 5? Is there anyone else you'd put ahead of him? Uh, probably not. I think there's some guys that are close. Jeffrey in the chat, he says Lamar Jackson or Cam Newton. I think it's conceivable that someone probably picked Cam Newton up off waivers. That's actually a good one. And, you know, Cam's back from, from COVID this week, so maybe that's something you would consider. But I don't think there's a lot of situations where you're benching Lamar either. As we move down this list, Vernon has a pair of questions. One of them, I'll start with the first one. It's Hawkinson or Ingram. So TJ Hawkinson for the Detroit Lions or Evan Ingram from the New York Giants. In this situation, I prefer Hawkinson. This comes down to overall offensive efficiency. Both of these guys have reasonable target volume. I think you could probably give the edge to Evan Ingram. But 
what is the overall efficiency with this, this New York offense? It's been downright dreadful for Evan Ingram so far through the last couple games. If we want to just look at last week in particular, I mean, Evan Ingram, he comes in two targets, one reception, 16 yards. Now that's not always been the case. Previous games, it's been a little bit better, but you can tell this Daniel Jones led offense just isn't efficient whatsoever. So give me Hawkinson in that situation. What about you, Kyle? Yeah. So like you're going to definitely get more volume quote unquote with Evan Ingram. He is top five in targets among tight ends, but he's outside, I believe the top 15. I think he's actually outside the top 20 right now. He's 22, I believe in air yards. He is just a dump off option. So his targets are sort of like they're, they have to come at some sort of discount, not only because he doesn't have the ability to generate large chunk plays on them, unless he's going crazy, you know, in terms of his yak, they also get a downgrade in terms of the overall efficiency because they're Daniel Jones throws. So although you are getting more volume in terms of raw targets from Evan Ingram, it's kind of it's kind of fake volume in a way. And TJ Hawkinson is actually going to get probably less targets, but in a game environment from a quarterback that is going to be much better in both scenarios. I mean, terrible Jacksonville defense should be a lot of scoring. And Matthew Stafford is just outright a better quarterback. So I'm going to agree with you. I know normally we say by the volume, but when the volume is so fake when it comes to Evan Ingram that I'm actually fine going with Hawkinson in this case. Yeah, there's a lot of good reasons. Jacksonville's allowing the most yards per pass attempt in the NFL. People want to knock Jacksonville and Detroit for being slow teams. I wouldn't say they're slow. I think they're just inefficient. They're both top 10 in seconds per play. Like clearly they just can't string together drives, but they're trying to run at pace. So I think that's a quiet, good spot for some volume this weekend. I like Hawkinson here. The other part of the question is LaVisca Chenault or Jerry Judy. I don't know what you think of Drew Locke, but I actually, I know he's an upgrade over Driscoll and Brett Rippon, but I honestly don't think he's that much of an upgrade. If I was ranking the quarterbacks in the NFL, Drew Locke would be somewhere between 28 to 36. And as far as Jerry Judy in the situation, you're just talking about a number one receiver on a highly inefficient offense who now finds himself in a pretty difficult match against the New England Patriots. And we talk about New England erasing number one playmakers on opposing offenses. Who else is going to beat you on Denver outside of Judy? Noah Fant's banged up. Like if Noah Fant even plays, I'm not confident that he's going to be efficient. So it's going to be LaVisca Chenault. I know Chenault's on the injury report. Make sure you make, make sure you check and see he's active, but we also have DJ Chark on the injury report in that situation. LaVisca Chenault could theoretically run as the number one wide receiver for this Jacksonville offense in the shootout against Detroit with a total of 54 and a half points. Any difference for you? Yeah, you laid out all the points. I'll just add the implied team total for Denver, I believe, is the lowest of the week facing a great New England defense. And most importantly, yeah, getting Drew Locke back is is nice, I guess. But I, I'm in complete agreement that when you have Drew Locke as your quarterback, you're still not, you know, projecting for very efficient t- targets. I would put him, I agree, I don't know, 25 would be at best where I could put him in an optimistic scenario. Probably does fall into the lowest tier of starting NFL quarterbacks. And on the other side, yeah, I just think that's absolutely where I'd be going is trying to fade any Drew Locke. I think the most important thing to watch out for, though, is it does look, if I had to guess, I would say DJ Chark doesn't play LaVisca Chenault does. I would stay up to date on that. You enter more of an argument where uh, Jerry Judy enters the fray if we have DJ Chark active and there's reports that he is going to you know, play a full complement of snaps. I'm still leaning on the fact that, uh, yeah, I don't want to target Drew Locke targets. I'd much rather go with Gardner Minshew, who, frankly, is just a better quarterback. I don't think he's incredible, but he's probably a better quarterback. They certainly play in a better game environment. And like you said, these teams have not been slow offensively. They've been struggling offensively. Now they play in both a get-right spot. I think this is a game environment you want to continue to target. So in back-to-back choices, we choose to take the Jacksonville-Detroit game. Yeah, and we know – bookmakers aren't dumb either. They're highly efficient. And if we know anything, bookmakers, especially compared to what I project NFL games, they're they're better at projecting totals than I am. And Vegas isn't seeing these two inefficient teams and placing the total at 48-49. No, they, they see the pace, they see some other factors, and they place it at 54 and a half. So I think we'll see some points in this game. Another tight end question. Oh, interesting league format for Dakota. It's Tyler Higby or Jimmy Graham. It's a normal full point per perception but they also get another 1.4 points for 10 yards interesting format there dakota i have either way it's going to be jimmy graham for me he's actually seeing volume tyler higby is not he's just scored some touchdowns this year so easy decision for me what do you think kyle 
Yeah, Tyler Higby, I believe in the last three games, has one more target than Gerald Everett. Gerald Everett has the edge in receiving yards, and they are tied at catches. I believe it's at seven. Even like, you know, even if you were getting work from a tight end that made it a bit more difficult, you could say, oh, well, you know, passing volume or efficiency. But like those things aren't there for Tyler Higby either. They're a team that wants to like more so than almost any other team in the league run the football. So, yeah, uh, Tyler Higby is basically a guy you can probably just cut. I know tight end isn't great, but like he falls into like the Chris Herndon, Logan Thomas tier. Maybe the only saving grace is that he has a modestly better touchdown potential, but he hasn't scored in the past three weeks either. He is truly a committee tight end. So maybe you get a modest bump in efficiency over someone like Chris Herndon or Logan Thomas. But frankly, like that's exactly the tier he falls into. I'm definitely taking Jimmy Graham over him. Yeah, I think so too. It's it's been an easy call for me. I love Higby as a player, but until his volume starts to It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Increase. I just don't think you can really target him. Um, a couple other questions from the chat. Steve, uh, he brings up. A yardage prop total. Thielen's at 84 and a half. Justin Jefferson's at 67 and a half. Says closer than you'd think of the betting markets. I went over and checked Odd Chopper, tool we have over at awesome.com. Fantastic tool. It's actually really, really nice too for just searching player props. You can literally just type in a player's name and it's going to show you all of their, their lines across the sports books. So you can actually shop these books and find the best line. Fantastic tool there. And I, I, Looked at the projections as well, and we also have Justin Jefferson right around that 67 yards receiving. Thielen's a little bit higher. He's over 90, but you're on to something, Steve. I think Justin Jefferson is a pretty nice value this week. If you have him in your seasonal leagues, I think he's worth a start in this really nice matchup. Would you be starting Justin Jefferson confidently? Yeah, we have a bunch of bye weeks this week. You know, players getting injured. Absolutely, Justin Jefferson is a guy who, if you if you held on to him because you didn't get a ton through your first what, like week or two, if you still had him, you probably didn't even play him for the explosion game, but you didn't have to because he's been producing ever since. So, yeah, Justin Jefferson, absolutely a flex-worthy guy. And uh, given the bye weeks we have, given the injuries we have, in most leagues, you probably are just straight up starting him. I don't think there are many choices sitting on benches that are better than him right now. And, uh, yeah, like you said, I think you touched on maybe an interesting pivot in DFS coming in at way low, lower ownership than Thielen and uh, not as massive as a discrepancy as you might think in terms of the like the player props. If you want to use that as an indication, I just like using the ownership. Yeah, I, I think using player props can be a nice tiebreaker if you're looking in your seasonal leagues. But, of course, that's what we're here for. So if you have these questions, throw them <laughs> into the chat. We are here to answer each and every one of them. There's a question about the Chiefs wide receiver situation with Sammy Watkins out. It specifically asks if Nicole Hardman is viable as a wide receiver three or flex. And I want to add another question to this. Would you even go as far as to consider a guy like Demarcus Robinson? Yeah, I, I think in the deepest of leagues, you could potentially get into Demarcus Robinson. I think more what Demarcus Robinson does for me is the volume he sees and the role he plays makes me concerned about Nicole Hardman. He doesn't necessarily do anything for me in his own right. But I'm not sure with Demarcus Robinson on this team that Miko Hardman stands much of a chance to really solidify himself as the number two receiver with Sammy Watkins out. He's going to rotate in with Demarcus Robinson. And I think in an ideal world, Demarcus Robinson, or at least for the Chiefs, not in my ideal world. My ideal world, Sammy Watkins never existed. And we just got to play a ton of Miko Hardman from week one. But the Chiefs seem to want to use Demarcus Robinson as the Sammy Watkins backup and Miko Hardman as the Tyreek Hill backup. I think with Watkins out, we don't see a perfect one-for-one replacement. I think it is a mix of Hardman and Robinson. But because of Robinson's presence, I- I'm probably avoiding starting Hardman when I can. I actually have at least one league that I know for a fact I am starting him. But that's not out of, you know, a ton of excitement for him. That's more of I understand a player with his speed in his role now playing, I don't know, half or probably a third of the the Watkins role. There's a lot of upside on a given week, but it doesn't really have a ton of floor. And the, even the median projection isn't great. So if you have to start him, you can. But he projects as like a low wide receiver four for me. I think he's OK to start. I mean, someone is going to have to play. I know they've been rotating, but I don't know. They're not going to play Byron Pringle a ton of snaps. Like, I think their three wide receiver set is going to be Tyreek, Hardman, 
and Robinson. Now, they, they do run a bit of 12 personnel, and they use a fullback in Anthony Sherman more than the average NFL team. So it's not like these guys are going to be on the field 90% of the routes or something like that. But I, I would anticipate something like a 60-70% route share for Demarcus Robinson and you know maybe a little bit more for Miko Harmon. Not entirely sure on what the offense will look like without Watkins, but I think both are considerations more your pure punt plays in leagues, but you could certainly yeah. look to them. And if you're on the waiver wire and the, you're choosing between some of these guys, I think I would give an edge to them just because they are playing in the Chiefs offense. Uh, let's see here. We have more questions about the the Pittsburgh offense. Uh, it seems there's some concern from Deontay Johnson. If he's healthy, are you willing to go right back to him? 100%. He's the number one receiver on this team. I know we saw a great you think so? game. Are you willing to say that confidently? Semi-confidently. I mean, through, like he has basically played what he's played three, two and a half games and still leads his team in targets. I, like to me, that says he is the number one receiver in terms of targets. Maybe you could definitely give the edge to Chase Claypool in air yards. To me, being confident in Deontay Johnson isn't even a knock on Chase Claypool. It's shorting Juju Smith-Schuster, who has been low A dot, low target volume. I think both Claypool and Johnson are in consideration, assuming we see the full suite of weapons. And Juju is the guy you look to bench, frankly, because he has just not been the Juju Smith-Schuster we've been expecting. And uh, it's, you know, it's been Deontay Johnson eating his lunch. It's been Chase Claypool playing over him. So, yeah, my Deontay Johnson love isn't a, a direct dig at Claypool. It is just simply being so sold out on Juju, who I love. Like I, I have him in every dynasty league I play in. I was excited to stack him last week with Ben Rausberger in a game that we were on and we did not attack it in the right way. I, I'm just, I'm kind of out on Juju at this point. We've seen James Washington, Eric Ebron, Chase Claypool, and Deontay Johnson all get targets, like more targets than him in individual games. He's just an ancillary piece. Like he's what we thought James Washington would be. I think you're right. I just wanted to play a little devil's advocate here. You know, Chase Claypool pops up for the big game, which, you know, I want to ask you if you think Chase Claypool is startable as well, because I do agree with you that Deontay Johnson is the number one receiver for this team. I think Juju has a role. It's not what we expected it to be at the beginning of the year. He's clearly not the number one alpha receiver on this team, at least at this point. Maybe maybe it's injury or something we don't know about. But at this point, it's not. Do you think Chase Claypool is worth a start with you and I in agreement that Deontay Johnson is the number one receiver here. Yeah, I still think he's worth a start. I think he falls probably in maybe that Michael Hardman tier, where obviously the, the Hardman offense is both better in terms of like, I think if Pittsburgh has their way, they, they play a generally balanced approach. They're not going to go crazy pass heavy. And the quarterback play, obviously you'd rather target Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback as opposed to anyone else in the league. So I think he falls into that tier of Hardman, maybe a little bit below Jefferson, but he's definitely worth playing. Like I said, I have some leagues that have been banged up by injuries that I have no choice. Claypool is certainly a startable player, but again, falls into, I would say a little bit better than I would take him over Hardman. I guess that's a good, a good barometer. Would you take him over Hardman? Uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I think I would go the, I mean, it's so close, man. We're, we're literally yeah. just, that. that's how hard the decision is. I'm not confident that Chase Claypool's volume is sticky with, yeah. with Deontay Johnson back in the mix. I, I think Miko Harbin will see an uptick in targets. Just because Sammy Watkins was heavily targeted. Like those, he was, targets are yeah. go, those targets are going to go somewhere. I mean, they could always go directly to Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, the number one and two pass catcher on that team. But, you know, maybe it's wishful thinking. I think Miko will be more involved. But we also know Miko's upside even on just a few targets. So I, I think that's the way I'm going. Chase Claypool is a ton of upside as well. He's a very, very effective downfield threat. But of course, if you guys also have some of these, these questions while we're off air, head over to awesome.com. There's a lot of great tools. There's projections, not just for, you know, DFS ownership and DFS stats, but you can actually look at raw projections, targets, receiving yards, everything. It's over there. And it's a great way to break some ties. You can get access to all the great Awesome Plus tools and content for nearly every DFS sport out there with an Awesome Plus weekly pass for $29.95. This includes full access to all the premium content and tools on Awesome.com, including player projections, ownership projections, our premium Slack channel, and more. Only looking to play NFL? Then sign up now for our weekly NFL package for only $14.95 and give our NFL Express weekly pass a shot for only $3.95. Stop guessing, start winning, join Awesome Plus today. So many great tools over there. So, so many great tools that Alex Baker himself creates and uses. So make sure to check those out. I have an interesting question for you, Kyle. And this has to do with our friendly Minnesota Vikings. 
We saw Dalvin Cook handle 20 attempts last week. Dalvin Cook gets hurt. Alexander Madison comes in the game and he handles 17 attempts. I have a question about the backup running back for Minnesota. And, you know, there's some offenses in the NFL that are just so run heavy where you can actually get away with flexing some of these backs like Chase Edmonds falls into this category. Do you have any interest in a guy like Mike Boone as an outside starter in the deepest of leagues, like flex worthy punt play, not asking for the chat. This may or may not be a question for your very own Makajeski on his uh, completely barren high stakes season long team. I mean, yeah, I, you can project some certain amount of carries because like you said, this is a team that just in their in their heart of hearts believes that running the football is their key to victory. I believe of the teams there are either four, I think there are only four teams now that are still running the ball more than they're passing the ball. They're the only team that is losing or that has a losing record and they're not even like close. They're not even close to 500. They're frankly just a, quite a bad team and no matter what, they continue to see running the ball as their strategy for winning. Not sure why, but whatever, if that's what they want to do, we have to project them as that's what they're going to do. And we're not unlikely. We're unlikely, although it's possible to give Madison every single carry. It's not a guarantee because they didn't do that with Dalvin Cook either. Madison was getting five, six, eight carries in games with Dalvin Cook in the lineup. So my guess would be, especially because now they're thinner at running back, they do split the carries a little bit. I still think it's very Madison favored. If you have Madison, he's probably an RB1 this week. I think Boone's like an outside RB4 potentially. That's not great, but there are leagues where people, you know, have Nick Chubb, Austin Eckler, Christian McCaffrey, all of these guys. You could potentially find a way to start him. I'd rather look to McKinnon, Chase Edmonds, trying to think. J.D. McKissick is available on a lot of waiver wires. I guess now they're probably free agents, but uh, he's a guy who I think got nine nine targets last week. He is clearly operating as a pass catching back on a team that all they're going to do is check down. So I think McKissick is probably the premier disgusting punt play over Mike Boone. But yeah, I mean, McKissick is not good. And you have to be playing in PPR, probably even full PPR to really consider playing him. But his target volume has been there. So, and his quarterbacks, both Kyle Allen and Alex Smith are just check down wizards. So he's my, I think he's the best punt play out of all potentially like guys you can add as free agents in fantasy. Boone is probably of all the punt plays, like number two or three, because I don't consider Chase Edmonds a punt play. He's probably owned in every league. It's more of if you're rostering him, do you choose to play him? Uh, like maybe like Tony Pollard probably falls in that same range where he's not getting a ton of work, but he's probably rostered in most leagues. Justin Jackson. Now I don't think they even played this week. He's, these guys are rostered in every league. So you can actually pick up Mike Boone. You can actually pick up, you know, you can pick up JD McKissick. So of guys that are available right now, I guess he's probably number two. I'm starting Mike Boone in a high stakes league. It's the only high stakes league I plan and just taking you guys behind the curtain a little bit. I had Saquon Barkley, Tevin Coleman and Cam Akers. Those were my top three running back picks. And you guys can see why I'm considering a guy like Mike Boone, but he's going to enter my lineup. I don't feel great about it, but thought I'd get your take, Kyle. It's at least worth, worth mentioning here. Steve asks, what is a game we are interested in considering below a 50 point total? So I think there's a couple options if you're looking for some streamers with games below a 50-point total. I'm going to isolate a few here, Kyle, and I want you to pick your favorite one. I think there's a little bit of intrigue with Baltimore-Philly. The main concern is Philly keeping pace in that game. Can they actually run with the Baltimore Ravens? I have significant concerns there. There's the Jets and the Dolphins, and I think this might be worth more of a look than people are giving it credit for. There's widely available receivers for this Jets team, guys like Jeff Smith, and I know they they had a couple guys practice, Rashad Perriman, Denzel Mims. I'm not 100% sure if they'll be back this week. But either way, you can pick up Jets players, and people like to talk about the fantastic matchup for Miami. This Miami defense hasn't been good either. They're bottom seven in yards per attempt allowed to opposing passers. I mean, the Jets are worse than that even, so we have a potential shootout brewing in Miami. I think that's a strong game to target. It's going to be really, really gross. You're not going to feel good about inserting any of these Jets into your lineup, but it's worthwhile. And the last one, Cincinnati-Indianapolis. It's more so because Cincinnati has such a voluminous pass heavy attack. I don't really know if you can get anyone on waivers. There was an interesting stat I saw this morning that T Higgins actually has more air yards than Tyreek Hill. I don't know. T Higgins is being used a lot downfield. If he connects on a few of those, he could be a very nice sneaky start. If you just need to absolutely punt some positions, any game below 50 point total that you'd be willing to stream some guys in. 
Yeah, I think, well, the game doesn't have a ton of streaming options, but Chicago versus the Panthers is a game, I guess, we're talking about in the FF <laughs> context. don't talk about that game. <laughs> Did you see what I said after that? I said, oh, he will. He said, <laughs> said are you going to talk about it? I, apparently you aren't. I will talk about it. I'm a bear fan, is one, you guys didn't know. There is one streaming option that I actually do like on the Chicago side, Darnell Mooney coming out of Tulane. Incredible market share numbers at Tulane. Awesome breakout age. Then he runs a 4-3-8. The guy is a burner, and he's getting volume, at least five targets and back-to-back-to-back weeks over 60% of the snaps in four straight weeks. He's the only guy you can really stream. Like, obviously, you're not picking up Robbie Anderson. I don't think Curtis Samuel is worth picking up. But this game, I have a little interest in Chicago passes a lot. They're fourth in pass rate in the entire NFL. Teddy Bridgewater has looked good. So I think this game has potential to hit a pretty modest over 44 and a half. Are you streaming a ton of guys from it? No. You could probably actually stream Jimmy Graham as well. I would imagine he's available in, in a decent amount of leagues. Darnell Mooney, you should be able to get in most leagues, I would imagine. So two guys on the Chicago side who are just getting enough volume on a week that is so miserable, like tight end this week is brutal. Jimmy Graham probably falls into the like low end tight end one tier. Darnell Mooney, wide receiver three, wide receiver four. He's so fast. I think it gives him a lot of upside. These aren't plays I'm in love with, but they're quite interesting given the context of this slate. And this game looks all right. So you like all these pass catchers. Do you like Nick Foles? I actually don't hate Nick Foles. Like, I think he's probably like a, a mid QB2 at worst. Most of the guys I like, I simply like because of their volume. I'm not sure, you know, Jimmy Graham, I, I doubt is the most efficient player at this point. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In his career, but uh, he's going to get a handful of targets. But yeah, I don't dislike Nick Foles. I think he's probably a fine, like, super flex starter, you know, this week. And probably in most weeks, as long as they don't have a terrible matchup because of how much they've been passing, and that's despite the fact that they're winning. I guess maybe that is potentially skewed by like multiple comeback victories, one led by at least one led by Nick Foles over Atlanta. But if they're going to be winning all these games and still passing at a decent clip, yeah, Nick Foles is probably not a not a regular league starter, but a, a super flex league starter. I think so. Yeah, I, I don't hate Nick Foles as a starter this week. He's highly inefficient, but you mentioned it, the volume's there. So he could just back way get you into some decent fantasy production there. Question still coming in. From the chat, thank you guys so much for all the questions. If you have them, throw them in there, Kyle, and I will get to them. Um, Steve says, if Adrian Peterson misses, he did not practice yesterday, how much of a lock will it be for DeAndre Swift to finish with 5.5 fantasy points? <laughs> I know, it really would. Uh, it would be so difficult to not want to play DeAndre Swift, but at that point, you have to imagine that he is not just this bell cow. It is so much of a split between, like, carry on. Do they still have, like, Wes Hill or Bo Scarborough to like, they would do anything they could to not let DeAndre Swift smash. I think DeAndre Swift would probably move into like him and carry on Johnson would pro- probably both be like RB three territory. The game environment looks good, but yeah, DeAndre Swift would be the ultimate like trap style play in hindsight. I would prefer him to Mike Boone. I would play him over Mike Boone. You guys. Yes, DeAndre, that is DeAndre correct. Swift, he has a good role in the past game. I think that's the best thing we can say about him. Um, uh, we have an update here on the Tampa Bay wide receivers. Well, actually, I don't know if it's much of an update. It's very vague. Bruce Arians allegedly wouldn't classify his receivers as elf healthy. He said they'll make the decision on which five or six they'll dress on Sunday. And he also mentioned Chris Godwin looked the best he's looked in a while. My question is, if you were Chris Godwin owner and you're going through this situation, do you just have to have a guy like Scotty Miller on standby, a guy like Justin Watson on standby? And if so, who would you prefer out of that group if you're Chris Godwin owner and you're looking to maybe pick someone up as insurance? Yeah, so I guess, uh, is there is their game the a 1 o'clock game or is it later in the day? Because that makes it even more difficult. There are it's a 3 a later game. 
Or uh, sorry, well, I'm in central. I'm in central time. You're weird central game. time. Sorry, guys. Yeah, your your fake time zones. Yeah, that is quite difficult. I would say you probably have to have multiple guys on standby. And I think so. One, Marquez Valdez Scantling is still available in some leagues. He should be owned in every single league. He's probably the premier pickup in that game. But assuming he's not available in the in the Tampa Bay side alone, let's say Mike Evans plays and Chris Godwin doesn't play and Scotty Miller does play. If you have that type of setup. I would say Scotty Miller is the, still probably the number two, although Tyler Johnson, the last time we saw them, actually got like a decent amount of run over him, and he had a great game. If Scotty Miller doesn't play, I think Tyler Johnson, his talent shined through so much in the last time we saw him that you have to be interested in picking up Tyler Johnson. He had multiple 1,000-yard seasons at Minnesota, was a young breakout age. He was a high college dominator. I think he's probably the guy I would look to if Scotty Miller is out. But Scotty Miller does have like the overall pedigree on this team. He does have like the the reps on this team as the number two or three receiver. So if he's active and Chris Godwin or Mike Evans aren't active, he's probably the premier ad. Then I think Tyler Johnson over Justin Watson. Do you think I have like one game stuck in my head too much? Or does Tyler Johnson actually have a chance to be the wide receiver three on this team? No, I think Tyler Johnson is a slot receiver too. He's going to primarily play where, where Chris Godwin plays. If you're looking for a one-for-one replacement, I think – it's more of the same skill set with Tyler Johnson, so I don't hate that call whatsoever. We have another question from chat. It is pick two of these three players, Marvin Jones, Julian Edelman, and Michael Gallup. All right, so I think we can immediately assume one, at least for me, that you're starting Julian Edelman. He's the yes. only one with a locked-in target share, and then it becomes more of a conversation between Marvin Jones and Michael Gallup. Obviously, I think Gallup would have been the answer, assuming Dak Prescott was healthy. We now have Andy Dalton coming in, throwing a little bit of wrench into things. So this is tough. I mean, Marvin Jones has had a terrible year as well, but Marvin Jones has the larger target share. And with the uncertainty in Dallas, I think I'm just going to fall back on Marvin Jones having, I mean, it's not a huge difference. It's like 12% to 14%, but I think I'm going to prefer Marvin Jones slightly as the number two or three pass catcher in that Detroit offense in a great game environment over Gallup at this point. So Edelman and Marvin Jones for me, again, the three are Marvin Jones, Edelman and Gallup. Yeah, I think I'm going to rule out the same guy as you. I'm going to rule out Michael Gallup. Julian Edelman was the easy play, especially like we saw last week. I think it was last week, or I guess at this point is the last time we saw New England. I believe Demir Bird led the team with 10 targets, but he might have only brought down five of them if I have that stat line correct. While they were playing with Cam Newton, Julian Edelman was not only the number one receiver in terms of targets, he was the number one receiver in terms of air yards. And I believe in terms of air yard share through three weeks, he was number one in the league as well. If not, he was top five. He's now running downfield. I guess we had a bit of a, of a weird spot where it might skew our numbers because we didn't have Cam Newton in the lineup. With our, our admittedly small sample of Cam Newton in this lineup, Julian Edelman is like an alpha number one receiver in terms of his target share, his air yard share, and his overall production. Julian Edelman was quite easy to lock in. Marvin Jones versus Michael Gallup is a very difficult situation. I'm going to, again, go with Marvin Jones just like you. Marvin Jones has still run a route on every single one of Matthew Stafford's dropbacks. He just hasn't seen the targets come, and I think something has to give there. Either you are on the field running routes on a team that in this spot looks to be in a good – like they they play fast. They just haven't been efficient. Now they get a bad defense. Everything is aligning. The only thing that hasn't happened is just the raw target totals. I think either you are on the field running routes and eventually you get targeted, or you probably get taken off the field because I think the ability to generate a target on your routes run is a, a pseudo-talent statistic. If you're not talented, you will at some point likely – this isn't a guarantee – but you will likely get pulled off the field. So if you're on the field running routes in a good game environment, I have to believe at some point the targets will come up. So I will go with Marvin Jones here. Well, we just got news from the chat that the Patriots are canceling their Friday practice after a positive COVID-19 test. No. They are waiting. The, well, I mean, you know how these go. We've seen it, how many false positives just this week. They have to yeah. run their second wave of tests to confirm or deny whether this is actually legit. So Obviously, if you don't have Edelman, it very makes your decision very easy, I suppose. But we won't speculate on whether this is legit or what happens. You guys understand what this means for, for fantasy football. But keep throwing your questions into the chat this week. Love all the questions. I think you guys are the best chat in all of YouTube. So thank you. It's been a ton reading all of your questions so far. Of course, this show is sponsored by Yahoo Fantasy, Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports, the most trusted name in fantasy sports, Yahoo DFS now includes CSV uploads and CSV edit features for those looking to play multiple lineups. Make better choices. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy. 
great platform they have over at Yahoo. Make sure you check them out and get some action over on that side. It is a ton of fun. As we, we move down the chat, we have Terry McLaurin, Antonio Gibson, or Chase Edmonds, half-point PPR flex. I think Terry McLaurin has to be the choice just based on volume alone. He's top 10 in target share in the NFL. Chase Edmonds, of course, he's a 1B to to Kenyon Drake's 1A in that Arizona backfield, and Antonio Gibson still splitting time as well. Any difference here? Yeah, before last week, it was like fairly consistent. Terry McLaurin going out, putting up 75, 80 yards. The quarterback play was maybe, it was somehow worse last week, specifically because, and not to knock the guy, but Alex Smith just did not look like he should have been on an NFL field yet. He took six sacks on, I believe it was like 20 or 30 some dropbacks. He averaged like three or two yards per attempt. It was like 30 some yards on 17 attempts, I think was the number or something like that. He got he just sacked didn't, so many times. Yeah, six sacks on, I think it was 17, 17 attempts. So that's uh, six sacks out of 23 dropbacks. Uh, man, I think assuming, and this has been confirmed that Kyle Allen will be the starter again. I believe that was early in the week. They said Kyle Allen is healthy. He will Great. start. It's better. Like, honestly, we saw one of the worst passing performances from a quarterback. And like, again, Alex Smith's comeback is incredible. I don't want to knock the guy's grit coming back onto the field. Simply put, the stats he put up, and if you can project anything close to that, entirely tank an NFL offense. Whereas Kyle Allen, we see he is just good enough to not entirely ruin an NFL offense. He is not good, but he's better than what we saw from Alex Smith. As long as he's the starter, you are playing the guys you want to play. You're playing Terry McLaurin. You're playing Antonio Gibson. Outside of that, Logan Thomas is just a, a prayer beads type of play where you're clutching your rosary beads and hoping he gets there. Terry McLaurin, I think, is still a starter in most leagues. Maybe you got lucky and really nailed your receivers, but other than those leagues, I think you were starting Terry McLaurin in every spot and probably Gibson to an extent as well. Yeah, I like Gibson a lot. I just think Terry McLaurin's probably your locked-in option at this point. As far as, okay, we have a dynasty league question. I, that doesn't oh, really I love matter, dynasty. It's a, it's a deeper question. We need to start one of Brandon Ayuk, Cam Akers, and Darnell Mooney. I think Darnell Mooney projects for the most opportunity at this point with Debo back in the offense and George Kittle healthy. Ayuk is the number three option there. Maybe four if you consider one of the backs above him. Mooney, I think, could be argued as the wide receiver two or wide receiver three maybe. David Montgomery is getting a lot of targets there as well, but I think Mooney is the answer for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. This is a question that sets up perfectly for me because I love Darnell Mooney. And you said it, like D Debo Samuel clears appears to be set to return as the number one receiver in his first game back. He saw, I think it was like 17 receiving snaps. That over, over then doubled over then. It more than doubled last week going up to 39. We're seeing like he's going to be, I would assume, the number one receiver very quickly. Still George Kittle in the mix as well. I can't really find myself getting into much Ayuk until we see like, Either the team has to continue losing a lot, and even then, you're still looking at a number three or four receiver, whereas I think Anthony Miller projects much closer to a number two or three receiver on a team, like I said, is going to run more passing plays than almost any other team. They're fourth right now in passing percentage. So Mooney is my choice here. And what was the other one? Cam Akers. Uh, you know, Daryl Henderson has played well. I'm not sure how sustainable his playing well is and how much his volume is sustainable. But interestingly, last week, he saw 15 carries. I believe Malcolm Brown saw nine and Cam Akers saw eight. Over 80% of both Akers and Brown's carries came in garbage time, defined as the win probability being less than 10% in favor of one team or 90% in favor of another team. So they were just playing as essentially like, you know, these cleanup backs while Daryl Henderson got the bulk of the meaningful carries. So I really find myself struggling to ever get Akers in a lineup. He's more of just a guy you want to hang on to the back end of your roster in season long. Obviously, in Dynasty, that's a different story. For me, it's quite clearly Mooney. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Another follow-up question from Dakota. He was the one that posed the original Edelman question where we picked two of the three. That included Marvin Jones and Gallup. And he poses another question. So, Says move T Higgins out of the flex, put in Chase Edmonds, and then put in Marvin Jones and Higgins over Gallup. So it looks like you're starting four of these or three of these four players. It's T Higgins, Marvin Jones, and Gallup, and Chase Edmonds. I think Chase Edmonds, as long as you're not dealing with needing to fill the running back position, is your worst option out of these three. I think it's going to be yes. T Higgins, Marvin Jones, and Michael Gallup, as long as you can start those three. 
I would move Chase Edmonds out of that lineup unless you need to fill a requirement to start a running back or something like that. If that is the case, I think for me it's going to be Higgins and Marvin Jones over Gallup. What do you think? Yeah, so I agree with at the top. I think he said like he pulled Chase Chase Edmonds out for T. Higgins, or I guess the other way around. He pulled Higgins out for Edmonds. So that makes me think that it is not specifically a uh, a running back spot. Obviously, it seems like a flex spot. And I agree, you named it. It's the it's the air yards for T. Higgins. And assuming we continue to see AJ Green scaled back, I think he plays this week. But to what extent do they even want to play him? Like the air yards are just going to keep on flowing, and at some point you expect him to continue to convert those into yardage and to touchdowns. So if the if the conversation is between those two, I'm definitely taking T. Higgins. And uh, what we said, Michael Gallup, Marvin Jones, and Higgins, is that the other, like, spread of players, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think I'll probably – I'm probably going to take a wait-and-see approach on Michael Gallup. I think he's the guy you pulled out as well. I just think you're probably getting as much or more volume with the other guys. And frankly, it wouldn't surprise me if the if – the, Dallas offense just isn't even close to as good as they were. I get Andy Dalton is an above average backup, but they are going from probably a top five or so quarterback in the league to what now top 25, maybe probably closer Tony to top Dungy 28. Tony Dungy said this helps, man. What? Oh yeah. Yeah. Tony, Tony Dungy, Dungy said God. this helps still top five. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he said it helps because they're going to run the ball more. <laughs> we don't actually think this helps their offense. I think Kyle's spot on. This is not good. Don't listen to Tony Dungy. If he's giving analytical takes on ESPN or whoever he commentates for, um, Let's move on to another question. I think you're spot on, Kyle. We have uh, Terry McLaurin versus James Robinson in the flex half point PPR. This is a great question. James Robinson's in a fantastic matchup, but Terry McLaurin's volume is so good. I I think I'm still going to lean James Robinson at this point. James Robinson has actually worked his way into a full bell cow role. Do you have any different takes here? No, and it's because in recent weeks we've seen, like you said, it's not just that he is like a, a volume-laden between-the-tackles player. He's getting targets now, too, which makes him largely independent of game script. You know, I think it was the first game he got a lot of targets was first Miami when they got crushed, and he was getting targeted nonstop in the second half as they attempted to come back. So now that he is truly a three-down back, I think he's so much more independent of the game environment that he plays in. While Terry McLaurin does still have to rely on Kyle Allen, I think Kyle Allen is – like I think most quarterbacks are good enough to get a guy with like 25 to 30% of the targets and air yards. That volume is enough to insulate you out of most quarterbacks. Kyle Allen teeters on that tier for me, whereas I really don't see a huge bust coming from James Robinson now that he is a pass catching back as well. So I lean James Robinson here, but it's nice you have Terry McLaurin waiting in the wings should anything happen to your starters. Yeah, I mean, what a great problem to have for you. Yeah, yeah. Having Terry McLaurin and James Robinson, I think that's a great issue. Um, next question we have Miles Gaskin, Robbie Anderson, or Terry McLaurin for a flex spot in a half PBR. Okay, this is a tough one. It's arguably the best spot for Gaskin all year. Of course, Miami's taken on the New York Jets. And this line crossed 10 at one point. It's back down below 10. I believe it's 9.5 on most books. But still, we saw Gaskin handle 21 opportunities last week when they were beating up San Francisco, I think you could reasonably project Miles Gaskin for somewhere around 20 touches. Not sure if he'll actually eclipse that, but man, Robbie Anderson has just been so good and so efficient. And I don't think there's any question, at least at this point, that he's the wide receiver one in Carolina. Again, the choices are Miles Gaskin, Robbie Anderson, or Terry McLaurin, another just spread of great players to choose from. Yeah, I, I don't even think it's that close, frankly. And I like the other options. I think Gaskin, like, uh, you know, we've talked about him on some of our DFS shows. I'm actually quite interested in him this week. But, uh, and like Terry McLaurin, you know, we talked to death how he's talented, he's getting the volume. But like Robbie Anderson is talented and he's getting the volume from a good quarterback. And his market share numbers are incredible. He's top 10 in both target share and air yard share. He's seen over 90 air yards in all but one game. He's gone double digit targets in three or four games. It's just, it's Robbie Anderson and there's no way around it. Yeah, I agree 100%. And again, if you guys are catching this off air and you have tight decisions, head over to awesome.com. Check out these, all these stats. We have a ton of great stuff, a ton of great free resources today in particular and through the rest of the weekend. The NFL rankings are free. Today specifically, we have MLB top stacks free. Just head over to awesome.com and check those out. Check out Odd Shopper. That was mentioned earlier in the chat where we're looking at player props. So you can literally just type in someone's name. So, so, so many great tools over there and so many for even just people that are looking for free tools. There's everything over there. All right. Fringy, fringy running back question. Chase Edmonds or Philip Lindsay at RB? Uh, man, this is tough. 
So one offense is just horribly inefficient. I'm guessing this is Philip Lindsay. And the other one, Chase Edmonds, is living off pure efficiency. The guy only had three carries last week, but he ends up luck boxing a touchdown. Do you have a lean here between Chase Edmonds and Philip Lindsay? Yeah, so uh, I guess, well, this is actually something we could have brought up in news. Melvin Gordon, uh, DUI, but he practiced, yeah, it would have been, I guess, yesterday, I believe. He probably would not have been practiced had they planned to impose any sort of suspension on him. And it's still possible that the league hands that out, but that we haven't seen it yet. I think Philip Lindsay is just a pure backup on a bad team or maybe like a backup plus on a bad team whereas Edmonds is kind of the same thing but on a good team that has produced touchdowns for him in multiple weeks and he's playing under a is like Kenya Drake's probably like a worse talent and then Melvin Gordon at this point like we saw what five maybe eight maybe like eight or nine good games from Drake his entire career essentially even dating back to him being a committee back at a you know at a good school in Alabama but He's essentially been a committee back or less for all but a handful of games in his career. I'm going to go with Edmonds here. I definitely think both of these guys give you very little floors because they're both just like backup plus, you could call them. But one of them plays on a good team. The other one is Phil Lindsay. Hey, Kyle, some of us have to make these decisions this week. Some of us that lost Saquon Barkley, Tevin Coleman, and Cam Akers. I'm, I'm with you, Marcos. I have to start Chase Edmonds on a weekly basis, and I think he's the call as well, Kyle. I'm with you. I, so this isn't from the chat, but it's a situation I think we should bring up. Um, a lot, we talked about Claypool. A lot of people also picked up uh, Travis Fulgham on waivers. Of course, he had the monstrous game for Philadelphia in that same game with Claypool, I might I add. Are you looking to start Fulgham this weekend? Can you insert him immediately into your lineup? And maybe who's the guy you would consider him over? Yeah, so I think Fulgham is probably at the bottom of a tier of highly speculative plays like Mecole Hardman, like like Justin Jefferson is probably above this tier at that point, like Chase Claypool. Like I think Marvin Jones could even arguably fall into this tier of like mid to low wide receiver three, high floor guys. And I would put him at the bottom of that tier simply because our sample on him is so small and the piece is moving around him. Like we could have some of their receivers return this week. So because of that, and because we have essentially one good game of him and he doesn't have like a history of production, like Like Chase Claypool at some point was probably going to break out because the guys around him weren't playing particularly well or they were injured. They spent high draft capital on him and he was an incredible prospect both in his like market share numbers and in his athleticism. Like Travis Fulgham was a multiple practice squad player guy, not that, you know, to denigrate what he did, but we have one game of him playing well. Although you could say the same for Claypool, we also have the draft capital to back that up, and we have games of him playing at Notre Dame to back that up. So our priors on him should be a lot stronger than they are on a guy like Fulgham. So Fulgham is like below Darnell Mooney. Assuming, I guess this assumes that we don't see any of the Jets return, he'd probably be below Jeff Smith as well. I guess once the Jets guys return, you put him above Jeff Smith, but he is like the deepest of the deep plays. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I He's not my favorite start. I think he's more of a speculative long-term ad you Rest him on your bench this week. You see how it shapes up with the other receivers potentially coming back. It looks like Deshaun's more likely to suit up than Alshon. But again, the situation's fluid, and we'll have to see how it plays out. Philly's not exactly the most efficient offense either. We have a pick three, full point PBR. It is an abundance of riches. Amari Cooper, Robert Woods, Robbie Anderson, and Jamison Crowder. So I think there's two you're immediately pencing into your lineup. It is Amari Cooper... It's Robbie Anderson. Those are the guys, and you just don't question it. As far as the other guys, I think it's more of a debate between Robert Woods and Jamison Crowder. Robert Woods isn't seeing as much volume as maybe you would expect. It's because the Los Angeles Rams are one of the run-heaviest teams in all of the NFL. So you see a decent target share with Robert Woods. I mean, he's above 20% of the targets and well above. But with their current run rate, that's not leading to an abundance of targets. On the other side for New York, it's the exact opposite. They're the, one of the least efficient offenses in football, but somehow Jamison Crowder continues to get it done, seeing over 10 targets per game. And he has multiple 100-yard performances in this Jets offense, and I can't stress how impressive that is. I think I might actually lead Jamison Crowder in this situation. Again, it's pretty clearly Amari Cooper, Robbie Anderson, and then I think it's more of a debate between Woods and Crowder. What do you think? Yeah, you you said it exactly how I would. And I would even just double down on the, the Robert Woods volume has been good, 
but he's still like four targets and a bunch of air yards behind uh, Cooper Cup last year. And I only say that because not that his volume has been bad, but last year he actually had more targets and I believe more air yards as well than Cooper Cup. The big differentiator was touchdowns. This season he has taken in a small sample a slight step back compared to Cooper Cup. And then when you like when you zoom out and you see that they are favorites this week and they want to run the ball at one of the league highest rates, despite the quarterback play just being like atrocious, I would assume. Like I can't project Joe Flacco to play well, but uh, I can at this point project Jamison Crowder to play well, despite his offense's lack of production. He has just been so impressive and outproducing the expectation relative to the rest of his offense. The volume has been there. The production is there. I'm going to take him over Robert Woods. And like you said, I think the other two guys were essentially locks. I didn't have to really even debate those guys in my mind. Yeah, I think so too. Another French question, Chase Claypool or Jefferson? I'm guessing this is Justin Jefferson. I prefer Justin Jefferson because of his locked-in role with the offense at this point. Again, we've talked about Claypool at length, so I won't hit on this too much. There's just a lot going on with Deontay Johnson's potential return and where Chase Claypool actually stacks up in that target pecking order. Similar to the Falgum situation where we're just not sure what Claypool's volume looks like in a healthy offense. So give me Jefferson. What do you think here? Yeah, same thing. Like, I, I guess Chase Claypool's upside is probably a similar target volume as Justin Jefferson, but that's sort of his upside. Maybe it's it's in the same range, at least, that his upside is to become a Justin Jefferson-level player, whereas we already have a handful of games to believe that Justin Jefferson is just locked in as a number two receiver. So I'm going to go with Jefferson. I don't think Claypool is a bad play. He's probably like he's probably my favorite of all the speculative plays we've talked about. I like maybe only Darnell Mooney I would take him ahead of him ahead of. I would take him ahead of like probably take him ahead of Hardman, probably take him ahead of definitely take him ahead of Robinson, take him ahead of Fulgham. A lot of these guys I'm fine with taking Claypool over. Jeff Justin Jefferson is on another tier though. All right. We haven't really touched on one position outside of some questions at the top. What do we do? With the tight end position, say you are an Evan Ingram owner, say you drafted one of these tight ends like Tyler Higby that's disappointed, and you're on the waiver wire, you're looking for streamers. Do you have anyone in mind that people could just go maybe pick up and give them some relief at the tight end position this week if they're ailing? Yeah, so I have one guy that I think is a speculative speculative play. I think there are actually a handful of ones. Logan Thomas probably got picked up and immediately cut because he has four targets in back-to-back weeks, one catch. Maybe he's my favorite play of the really bad plays. I guess Jimmy Graham falls in that tier. But one guy who's probably been unowned up until last week in every single league, he, he maybe week one he was owned and then rightfully should have been cut by week two or three, is Irv Smith saw a season high and a high dating back to, I believe, week 10 of last year in targets last week. At five, it was also in terms of snaps and snap share, most importantly, a high dating back to that same, I believe, week 10, at least a season high. So if he's going to mix in as more of not just a let's get him 15 to 20 snaps a game and a guy who's actually mixing in as a pass catching threat at tight end, it's ugly. But I do think you can project like he's going to be more efficient than Kyle Rudolph, who outside of scoring touchdowns offers you nothing. Irv Smith is actually like young and athletic. That is not nothing. It's not worth just throwing away the fact that he probably should be more efficient than Kyle Rudolph at this point in his career. So Irv Smith potentially taking on a larger role, very potentially. I cannot say with any amount of confidence that he doesn't go back to just being a purely backup tight end or rotational tight end, but he does offer you the upside of being in the mix as a number one tight end on a team that, you know, their game environments have generally been good. So I don't love it, but I think Irv Smith is in consideration if you really are looking deep, if guys like Logan Thomas and Jimmy Graham are already rostered. Yeah, I agree with that. He is the the deepest of deep sleepers at the tight end position. Sticking with tight ends, we have Zach Ertz, your boy, or Jimmy Graham. I'll leave this question to you at first because you <laughs> have very strong takes on Zach Ertz. If you want my opinion, it's still Zach Ertz in this decision, but Kyle, maybe you feel a different way. Yeah, I, uh, it's difficult because like volume, I, I come in here and I preach on how much volume should be like our starting point. We have to focus on guys who are getting the ball and even guys who are being targeted but don't end up securing those catches generally do rebound. But it is difficult to even say that with Zach Ertz this week. I mean, he's I think it's 4.1 yards per target is one of the worst among starting level tight ends, if not like the worst. He has simply just lost it. He looks like looks like worse than Greg Olson. He looks looks like Jason Witten out there. Even worse than that. How dare you? So, dude, he's terrible. Four point one yards per target. That's like nothing. That is practice squad minus level production out of a guy who at one point people thought was like a top three tight end. So, 
I don't know. I think I actually am going to go go with the big brain pivot and go to Jimmy Graham. But I get like I think you're probably still starting Zach Ertz. I think he just falls in more as a high end tight end two at this point. And I actually have Jimmy Graham ranked as a low end tight end one. So Zach Ertz probably a guy you're starting. But if you have better options off the wire, Jimmy Graham could be one of them. I still think I'm starting Zach Ertz. And it's, I don't feel good about it, Kyle. I don't feel good about it, but I'm still holding on to this belief that Zach Ertz is maybe not a premier tight end in this league, but he's the starting caliber tight end mm-hmm. in the NFL. I got, I guess this is the week. We're going to figure out if one of us is wrong here. As we head to the end of the show, we typically like to talk some bold calls. I think we've been off on some bold calls. We've been on on some bold calls. Last week, we were trying to stack this Pittsburgh-Philadelphia game. That was fantastic, except Kyle and I, unfortunately, did not have the foresight to tell you to start Travis Fulgham and Chase Claypool. We were on, you know, the Greg Wards of the world, which ended up not being true. As far as bold calls this week, one I like in particular is Miles Gaskins finishing the week as an RB1, maybe even the number one running back overall. And it has everything to do with his matchup against the New York Jets, favored by nearly 10 points here. Miles Gaskin already has fantastic volume in this Miami offense. Last week alone, he eclipsed 20 touches against the San Francisco 49ers. If you're going to play Miles Gaskin, assuming you have better options, this is the week to play Miles Gaskin. What are some of your bold calls for the week, Kyle? Yeah, I've got one. I hinted at it, but I'll really go in on it this time. Darnell Mooney, a top 20 wide receiver in a game that I think has some modest shootout potential, but really just the volume as a number two receiver on one of the past heaviest teams in the league. Darnell Mooney, top 20 receiver, probably on the back of a long touchdown. I love it, Kyle. Well, that'll do us again. Thank you, everyone, for being here. Thank you for all your questions. It is so much fun. Thank you to Yahoo for sponsoring the show. And make sure you head over to Osmo. Check out all of the offerings. Odd Chopper, the Express Pass, everything that you could possibly need is over there. Of course, we have a podcast network as well. If you missed these live, make sure to check that out. It is available wherever you get your podcasts. I am Matt Kajeski on Twitter at Matt underscore Kajeski. He is Kyle Dvorak at Kyle Tweets here. We will be back again next week, same time, same place for another Start Sit Show. Have a good one, guys, and good luck.